Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay. We are live. One, two. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to West by Pod. It's a podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12 Conference, and a little bit of rivalry slander. Uh, I'm Joel Bracken. On Twitter, you can find me at WVStatsGuy. And I'm joined here with Jordan Pinto. On Twitter, he's at GameDayShorts. What's going on, Jordan? Oh, man. I'm excited for this one, man. I uh, The kegerator's flowing. I've double-pinted myself. Um just to really make sure we're bringing some bringing some heat, throwing some gas out here. We got pit pit and tech deep dives on the docket for today, so I'm excited, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, been fun to kind of get into pit and VT this week. Um, so that's what we're going to be mainly talking about today. Is doing a little bit of a, uh, I guess you could call it a deep dive, just kind of getting familiar with the uh, the old rivals, teams that we used to see every year, but not as much anymore. Um, so kind of just digging in, seeing what they have turning over, I guess, from last year, you know, like I talked about before, like the transfer portal, everything's so crazy now. So kind of just seeing where they're at um, and, and what we can expect from those teams. That's right. That's right. All right. So let's get into um, our first segment here. Uh, Joel, your first experience running the hill. Uh, no easy task. Uh, we're going to kick it off um, as as we probably will anytime that there's any sort of recruiting news, but uh, kick it off with some some recruiting roundup here. So um, since since our last episode or since we last recorded, West Virginia has added two new uh, recruits to the class of 23. Got Johnny Williams, who is a 6'7", 315-pound tackle, big lad uh, out of Northeast High School in Macon, Georgia. He's got an 87.7 rating on 247 Sports. Uh, and then we added a wide receiver, uh, Elijah Caldwell, 6'1", 190 pounds, three-star receiver, 86 rated on 24-7, um, out of Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, Joel, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, the two most recent additions to the class of 23? Dude, it's exciting to see the uh, the recruiting trail just keep going. Um, you know, three stars is three star athletes, I guess, three star recruits. It's historically where WVU is getting there. The majority of the roster, the majority of their talent, um, you're not going to see tons of five stars rolling in. But um, these three stars, you know, these are kind of guys that you can develop and, and, you know, generally the people who are going to get a lot of playing time. So excited to see, you know, Johnny Williams, six, seven. So he's a big old guy. And I love the the offensive line recruiting. That's like, I think the the foundation, I think Neil Brown's done a really good job of um, both getting recruits and transfers in on the offensive line. So just happy to see that continue to build. For sure, for sure. Yeah, him and Matt Moore both uh, deserve deserve a round of applause uh, just from taking that room where it was when they got here uh, to where it is now, where, you know, we have five starters coming back next year. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, I guess if, if we're going to be good next year, we need it to be one of the strengths of the team. Um, so so good to, to see us continuing to, to add depth there. 
Um, then Elijah Caldwell, he's a guy who wasn't uh, rated until recently. Um, if you watch his highlight video, the guy is the guy is absolutely prolific. Um, so I don't know. 86 rating is what it is. That's kind of it's not really a high three star, but it's kind of like a mid to high three star. So he's a guy who, you know, if he has a big senior season this year, maybe you see him bump up into that 88, 89 range where he could start looking like a four star. But two really solid additions um, for sure. So, Joel, uh, as you kind of look at this class, where um, is there anywhere really, you know, you, where you would kind of emphasize as we as we looked around it out here? Um, any positions, any any uh, types of players that you'd like to see us uh, target here to, to close the class out? Yeah, yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not a huge recruiting like I don't follow the, the recruiting news on the day to day. But I think you can never have enough depth on on both lines. So I'm always very partial to to go after, you know, the, the best recruits you can on the offense and defensive line. You look at the, the schools who have sustained success, and that's kind of where it's built around the top offensive linemen are going to the same schools every year. So, you know, that's one place I, I, I don't think you can ever have enough depth. And uh, always happy to see that being targeted. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think I think that I would tend to agree. I know we've we've done. We probably won't take more than the one quarterback we have. A um, couple of good running backs locked up already. So yeah, I think continuing to build out the depth in the trenches on both sides of the ball is probably uh, that's an okay strategy uh, for 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 me. I think so. Um, all right, let's get into uh, to our second sprint up the hill here. Um, recently uh, released the uh, the Big Twelve media poll. Um, couple of key takeaways there. First, we have we have Baylor unseating Oklahoma at the top of the preseason poll for the first time in in a, in a few years here, um, where we're going to see a team besides the Sooners uh, at the top of the preseason poll. But then uh, the bigger the bigger takeaway for this podcast and for us is West Virginia all the way down at eight in the preseason poll. Um, obviously, we uh, you know my reaction watching this is. is especially after we did the tears last week, uh, you know, is it like, am I out of touch or is it the children who are wrong? You know, <laughs> out of some of those vibes. So Joel, what are your, what are your takeaways uh, uh, from the preseason media poll? Yeah. The media is not drinking the same Kool-Aid we are, I guess, but um, yeah, West Virginia coming in at eight, just two votes behind TCU at seven. So, you know, we're kind of lumped right there. The first takeaway was, okay, we get five different teams. Half of the league gets at least one first place vote. I don't know who's giving Iowa State. Can you legitimately look at all the teams in the Big 12 and say, I, somebody said Iowa State is the best team. Um, so that's a little bit of a reach. Maybe that's just earned from the, the last couple years' success. But, um, yeah, I mean, you look at towards the bottom, Kansas in a tier of its own, Texas Tech also kind of in a tier of its own, and then us and TCU grouped together. Um, and then, yeah, a little surprising to see Baylor at top. I'm sure Oklahoma has held that spot for many, many years, but – um, it's early, you know, I think there's a lot of unproven things about the teams in the bottom five of this ranking. Like if you look at the, the top five, they all either have amazing recruits or at least are bringing back like major pieces. And then the bottom half of the, the power rankings here, you know, it, there, there are big questions to be answered. So I don't hate it. I, you know, I, I obviously would maybe new move WVU up, I think above TCU and also above Iowa state, but I think five or six would be, you know, where I would have them ultimately. So it's early. Nothing, nothing matters. We'll probably have the the best out of conference schedule um, and test. So coming into conference play, you know, we might have a little better idea of where we're actually going to be at. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I was, I was. Uh, so obviously, we got the top four um, 
spot on with with our tier uh, with our tiers last week um, with Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas. But yeah, so yeah, surprised to see Baylor up there. Um, I know we'll get into it with the deep dives. Those guys lost a lot, um, so some some big question marks. But um, yeah, let's get into this uh, to this last question here. Um, so obviously conference realignment is, is at the top of everybody's minds. We could do a whole series of podcasts on that alone. Um, but just as it relates to, uh, to WVU, what are your, uh, what are your initial reactions to, uh, kind of what this means for West Virginia? And then is there, is there kind of like an ideal scenario that you see, um, in terms of how this all shakes out for us? Yeah. So, you know, the, the buzz is 24 seven. You see, I'm saw rumors on Twitter today of Notre Dame and TCU going to the big 10. You know, it's every single day you hear some new wild thing. Um, there's a fun app where you can come up with a random, uh, conference realignment buzz headline instead of just making up your own. So there's a million opportunities and possibilities here. I think what it boils down to for West Virginia is there's kind of like two options. One is, would you rather be in the most nationally relevant, you know, money making position possible? Or would you rather be in, you know, if, if that's not an option, would you rather be playing local team, like regional teams, regional rivals? So if the SEC and the Big Ten are going to become these like two tiers above everyone else, um, you know, what's the I, I think right now the Big 12 is, is probably the third strongest con- conference, especially with like the additions coming in. But would you rather be in the third conference, the third best conference or like the fourth best conference, but play teams that matter to you? So it, it's kind of tough. It's sort of splitting hairs like I want what's best for the the program is as a long run. And, you know, a lot of that can be TV deals and money and, you know, helping with all the facilities and, and just kind of like the infrastructure of the program. But I think also fans are, you know, West Virginia is in a unique position where we're, we've been kind of the outcast for a while. And now you're going to see this happen. Like USC and UCLA are going to be the West Coast wing of the Big Ten. It makes no sense for them either to be in the Big Ten. So, you know, personally, I think if we're not going to be in the absolute top echelon, like right now, you say there's power five and we are. But if it's just Big Ten and SEC, you know, I'm fine with being in that half step underneath if we get to play teams that we care about again, um, that's just a personal preference. But if that's, you know, if we're not going to get in the big 10 and sec, and I don't think we are, I, I'd like to play some teams back East that, you know, have meaning to the the program. What do you, what do you think about that? I think that was very well said. Um, and, and I think that I agree with you. Um, perhaps some teams like the, like the two that were about to uh, to stare down the musket at here and, and take a deep dive into right um, exactly. Yeah, no. I mean, it's been fun just thinking about playing these teams in the same yeah. season for a long time, and we could do yep. this every year. Yeah, man. Yeah, we've been wandering through the desert uh, for what's it been eleven long years now. Um, yeah, and you know, have to trick ourselves into caring about playing Texas and, and TCU and Iowa State, and, and you know, like it's fun. It's been cool. It's been cool, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate playing Pitt. I wouldn't hate playing Virginia tech. Um, you know, some people who are kind of in our footprint here a little bit. Um, yeah. And, and, and not even like those schools are obviously the ones that matter the most to like West Virginia fans, but even like the random, you know, like if it's Syracuse, if it's, yeah. you know, if it's obviously like Maryland's kind of a rival, like Louisville, some, some just local teams, Cincinnati's going to be fun in the big 12, but yeah. Pumped about that. 
like just getting kind of, you know, rivalry spur you know, in the Big East when teams were good, there was always like some some fire there. So I think that just builds when, you, when you're actually in close proximity. When you see someone on the street who's wearing the opposite team's gear, like, you know, that doesn't happen a lot with the Big 12. Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. All right. Well, you 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 passed with flying colors. You made it up all three times. So so good job by you. Um, I think it is probably time that we uh, dive into the deep end here. Um, so let's start with the Pittsburgh Panthers, who we play September first, Thursday, Heinz Field, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to open the season. Pitt tw- had a very good twenty twenty one. You know, dis- disgustingly, they finished eleven to three. I think that's the second time that they've won uh, ten plus games since nineteen eighty one. So literally, their best season um, in the last forty years. Last year, I think we still had higher attendance numbers than them at six and six, but we didn't win the ACC championship, which they did. They beat Wake Forest forty five twenty one to win the ACC. Played Michigan State in the Peach Bowl. They lost thirty one to twenty one in a game that Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison didn't play in. Um, so, you know, hard to really uh, fault them for that when those guys were, were their two best players. Um, lost to Western Michigan at home, which I thought was kind of weird because it wasn't even like a good, you know, 11-2 and two or 12-1 and one Western Michigan team. They were just 8-5 and five last year. But on the whole, uh, had a very good team, won 11 games, and they bring a pretty decent piece of that team back uh, for, for 2022. Um, so look at them in 2022, go on FanDuel. Look at Pitt, they're plus 30,000 to win the national championship. I saw that uh, we're plus 25,000. So not that that's wow. a big deal, but uh, something that felt worth noting. Um, Pitt plus 1,400 to win the ACC, plus 300 to win the Coastal, uh, plus 500 to win 10 plus regular season games with their over under set at seven and a half. Um, so Joel, what are your, what are your kind of your first impressions of Pitt uh, this year, those numbers in mind, like how, how do those numbers sound to you? I didn't know their over under was seven and a half. Um, you know, I forgive me for saying nice things about Pitt, but like Pitt had a great season last year. They had very weak competition in the ACC, um, like almost historically weak. Yep. Uh, pretty much all the powers were down in the ACC, but I, I'm not sure you think many teams are getting better in the ACC. Um, la- last year, one of the, the big things, I think one of the big misconceptions about Pitt, and it kind of you know depends on your school of thought with analytics versus kind of some of the counting stats. They put up some gaudy numbers on offense when you look at the counting stats. Kenny Pickett was spectacular. like He was one of the best quarterbacks. He was the best quarterback in PFF. Yep. Um, but you look at certain metrics and, and certain advanced analytics and it's kind of interesting. It's almost backward. Their offense, um, I'm going to reference beta rank a lot. Um, it's a, it's a advanced stat system I really like. And, uh, last year Pitt's offense was 48th in beta rank. And the real reason that they had so much success was the defense. And I think, I think when you look at the Pitt team, they lose Pickett, they lose the Bolitnikoff, um, Addison, so, okay, those are two massive pieces, but the defense is bringing a lot of people back. And that was kind of the core of what this team, why they were successful last year. So, unfortunately, Pitt might be able to continue to, to beat up on some of these ACC teams. Um, also, last year, they faced the 106th hardest schedule um, 
against defenses. So they, they faced almost the, one of the easiest defensive schedules and they're playing in a power five conference. So um, they did get a lot of luck with the, just kind of the, the schedule, how it shook out. But I do think the defense is, is still going to be a problem. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So the, the big changes with them, like you said, are going to come offensively where they were good last year. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not as good as, as we might've thought if you're just looking at the traditional counting stats, but, but definitely, a, definitely an explosive offense. Uh, this year, bringing in Frank, uh, Frank Signetti Jr. He's coming back from Boston College uh, to be the offensive coordinator. Um, so this will be his third stint at Pitt. Um, Pitt seems to be pretty excited about this. Um, if you, you know, and I think he's had some success there before. I think he was there for their 10 win season, uh, in the, in the late, uh, what the first decade of the two thousands, what the year that they were good, but we beat them, um, on the walk-off McAfee field goal. Um, but looking at Boston college the last two years, and I know they, they had some injuries last year, but not, not really all that spectacular. You know, again, it is Boston college. They are who they are. Um, but finished finished last and 11th in total offense uh, over the last two years. Um, the one thing that I did like uh, in, in terms of fit, it seems like he kind of favors a pro-style uh, passing attack and uh, a, a zone running scheme, which which should uh, kind of mesh nicely with, with what Pitt did last year. It's very, very similar uh, schemes uh, just in terms of, of how they're going to pass the ball and how they're going to run the ball. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned, so they lose Kenny Pickett. They lose Jordan Addison. Addison had 33 explosive receptions last year, uh, which is almost as many as, as our entire team. Um, it was about 45% of their total, 43% of their total explosive plays last year. So obviously a ton of productivity that they're going to have to replace. And the guys that they're going to be uh, looking to to replace that are going to be uh, Keaton Slovis. So the, the transfer from, from USC, um, senior transfer coming in. And then... Uh, Kanata Mumfield, who is a transfer from Akron. Um, and so they're, you know, in their, in their perfect scenario, in their pipe dream, those guys are just going to plug right in for Pickett and Addison and, and you know, kind of fill the same roles, right? Um, so is obviously going to be the quarterback. They're going to look for him to, to kind of scramble around and make some plays. Um, and then Mumfield, they're going to look to be the, you know, the, the, the big play guy, like the explosive play guy. So um, in terms of, you know, plug and play replacements. I think they've done a pretty good job, but I, it's just those those guys, Pickett and Addison, were so prolific last year. I don't know. Like, do you see do you see those two guys coming in and and you know picking up all that production? What what kind of drop off uh, do you see there? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're getting new quarterback, and and the receiving room just kind of got gutted. Um, if you look at the top five most targeted receivers last year um, for Pitt, Addison was number one, 120 targets. He's gone. You lose number three, uh, Lucas Kroll, number four, Tysier Mack, and number five, Shockey uh, Jack, Jack Wes Lewis, transferring to Akron. So you lose pretty much all but one of the top five targets. Um, yeah, Mumfield probably is going to be a pretty big contribution. Is Slovis going to be able to match what Pickett did last year? Like I said, Pickett was the number one PFF quarterback. Um yep it's hard to say there won't be a drop-off there. I mean, there almost has to be um, a new quarterback coming in. And, you know, one thing with Slovis um, in, in at USC was pretty bad under pressure. Um, this guy's not going to be as mobile, I don't think, as they, they kind of had with Pickett. 
Um, so last year he only com completed 33% of passes when he was under pressure. Uh, that was worse than Deggy, who uh, known escape artist Jared Deggy had a higher uh, completion percentage. So, you know, I think the things that are in question are, you know, the quarterback play going to be close. Are the receivers going to be close in being able to um, contribute? But I think the things that they do have going for them, and this is, you know, a little bit scary. They have three running backs returning. Uh, they, they went by committee last year. Three guys, roughly all three of their stats were about 500 yards on about 100 attempts each. So you got three guys who you can kind of cycle through. And you look at the offensive line, uh, you get the top seven guys back in terms of snaps. That's insane. I mean, like continuity is a big thing on an offensive line. You get the top seven. I mean, you basically get the whole rotation back. Um, so I think that's the sure thing is the running game. Even though it wasn't that great last year, you have to feel good with the offensive line they're returning um, and the running backs they're returning. That continuity is there. Big questions on the quarterback and the receiving room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you, you hit on all the all the bullet points that I had on uh, on Slovis. Um, you know, big drop off against pressure. I think he had a 36.4 grade against pressure last year, which uh, obviously not not very good there. Um, he had some good downfield throwing numbers, but obviously, he, I mean, he was thrown to, to Drake London last year. Um, he won't be thrown to London or Jordan Addison this year. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of a luxury when you're throwing 50-50 balls to a, to a guy who's a top 10 pick. Um, that, uh, that won't be there this year, but yeah, you hit it right on the head with the running backs, man. Um, so they have Israel, uh, Abanaconda, Rodney Hammond, Vincent Davis, all back. I had those guys combined at, uh, 366 attempts, 1,756 yards, 4.8 yards of carry, 16 touchdowns, three yards per carry com after contact, 95 combined missed tackles and 51 combined explosive plays. So, you know, you, you said by committee, if, if you look at those guys as one running back that, I mean, that guy's a. If, if not a Heisman finalist, you know, he's in the conversation for, for, uh, for the Doak Walker. Right. So um, definitely three able-bodied running backs. Um, I think I had it down that they, they throw to Abanaconda and Davis. Um, those guys combined for 47 catches. Uh, they didn't throw it to, uh, to Rodney Hammond uh, nearly as much, but you know, guys who are, who are well-rounded backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, and then, and then, yeah, the offensive line is troublesome. So the one thing that was curious to me, um, about the offensive line is, is like, it seems like the consensus is that they were above average to good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. For a comparison to the WVU offensive line, basically looking at PFF, yeah. you're looking at like the average grade. Um, their line was a little bit worse than our line last yeah. year. But, you, but the continuity is big. I mean, you have to think everyone's going to improve a little bit. For sure, for sure. And I think the 24-7 the sports guys uh, did an article about our offensive line this year that looked at, you know, when you've had four or five starters back, um, the, the biggest impact, the biggest gains are by far felt uh, in the running game. You know, passing mm -hmm. passing game, uh, kind of not really a correlation there, but but in the years when we had when we had four or five offensive linemen back, our running our running game was much better the next year. So, um, but yeah, man, I, I, you know, I was looking at it, seventy one point five pass block grade for them, which was eighth in the ACC, only a sixty one point nine run block grade, which was eleventh. Um, and you know, that's this, not not this that team impressive. was deceivingly bad on offense last year for yeah. all the highlights you saw of Pickett on Twitter. Um, that's yeah, man, I, I, I really, you know, I, I really think that uh, <laughs> the Pickett-Addison connection uh, 
you know, explosiveness versus efficiency is, is a big conversation. Um, I subscribe to explosiveness being more important than efficiency. And, and, you know, when you have a guy like Addison and you have a guy like Pickett who can get out of sacks, find Addison down the field and, you know, what should have been a, a six or seven yard loss maybe turns into a 60 yard touchdown. But mm-hmm. I think, again, we said last year, you know, it's a luxury that West Virginia fans can appreciate because the last three years we haven't seen anything like that. So, um, yeah, I had it, 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 I had their offensive line, man. They gave up um, 161 pressures, I think, across the seven guys coming back. So that's it's you know a decent a decent number. Um, only 27 of them 27 of them came again in four games against UMass, Georgia Tech, Duke, and North and uh, New Hampshire. So like the four bad bad teams that they played, uh, they they didn't really let them get to the quarterback, which is what you'd expect. But that means in the other nine games, 134. Uh, against teams that were average or better. So that's about 15 a game. So it seems like, you know, you could get after Pickett a little bit and at least at least make him move around. I expect that to be the case here with Slovis again this year. And as you mentioned, he's not quite as athletic as Pickett was. Um, they gave up some sacks. They had a high sack rate, um, 101st nationally and passed down sack rate at 10%, which is, which is high. Uh, 2.4 sacks a game allowed, which was 87th, which is a lot. So... You know, I don't know. It's, it seems kind of like a like a mixed bag. Like I can't tell how good those guys were. But again, you have all seven. You have the full rotation back. They're going to be a little bit better this year, at the very least. So um, yeah, there's, there's a continuity bonus there for sure. Yep. Um, and then yeah, so I'm I'm looking at beta rank numbers. Last year, Pitt was 66 in explosive plays. Mm-hmm. It's not you know for a power five, that's not that great. Um, for effective rush, I have them at 86. Um, you think that has to improve this year, getting all the backs in the offensive line. 86, that's going to come up. Effective pass was 19th. Um, I would be pretty surprised to see them improve after losing, you know, the Bolitnikoff winner and the number one PFF quarterback. So you're probably going to see both of those regress a little bit more towards average. Um, yep. Just how average are they going to be? Yeah, I think, I think there's a good chance that this team – looks a lot different offensively just in terms of how they're going to attack people this year. Um, and the thing is they don't have to win on offense. I mean, that's, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. 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 They don't because have to the put up 45 so good. points. Honestly, honestly, yeah. Seven offensive linemen, three running backs back. And you have uh, this defense that I guess we, uh, it's as good a segue as any to, to, to kind of dive into the defense. Um, but these guys, uh, so they were truly, uh, truly, truly special last year, especially, um, especially up front. Um, and unfortunately, well here, so let's just actually, I'm going to run through some numbers from last year. So they had 280 pressures as a team last year and a 9.6% sack rate. That was 10th nationally. Um, and just some context on the 280 pressures. Um, so we had 158 and people look at us and look at our defensive line and say, that's going to be the strength of our defense. And that's going to carry our defense this year. So, I mean, you know, over 100 more pressures than we did. Alabama had 278, Georgia 292, Oklahoma State had 314. So, but if you look at the games, like Pitt had 20 pressures per game defensively. Oklahoma State had 22.4. Georgia only had 19 and a half. Bama had 18 and a half. So that's how good, you know, that's how good this defensive line was up front in terms of, you know, generating pressure, um, getting into the backfield, messing messing up your thing, knocking you off schedule. Um the, the tackles for loss numbers were really good. I think they were third nationally in tackles for loss per game with, with over eight. Um, if you look at football outsiders, they do, they do line yards, opportunity rate, stuff rate, pits in the top 15 nationally and all of those. Um, and the entire two deeps back. Um, 
Plus, mm-hmm. plus, I think you know maybe one or two other guys who who got some snaps. So you know they're going to go about ten deep up front. Um, I think that uh, Kalaja Kansi seems like he's the ringleader. I think he's the guy. He's a Walter Camp All American. He's first team All CC All ACC. Um, but uh, but you know he they have Habakkuk uh, Baldonado, Deslin Alexander. Um, you know they got some dudes. Yeah, I mean, they got they got dudes. Up no front, no way around it. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be tough. And you know, again, we have our suspicions about the quality of competition um, in the ACC last year. But you know, the, the fact competition or not, these dudes kicked everybody's ass up front. Um, and so, you know, w- when when I look at uh, this matchup, obviously this isn't the preview, but that's where I see the the biggest issue with Pitt's defense. So the the thing that worries me the most is is definitely their defensive front. Um, what, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, completely agree. I mean, their front is insane. They're they're loaded. They get you just talked about all the pressure numbers. They get their top four guys back in terms of pressures from last year. So I mean, that's only going to be worse, maybe. You know, like that that's yeah. going to be really really a strength of their defense. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I don't think the ACC was setting the world on fire last year offensively, um, but they shut everybody down and this is really why they won games. Like I said, I feel like the narrative about Pitt was like, Oh, Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, they were awesome, but the defense was what, what really was shining. Um, you know, the big thing was rush rank last year. Um, beta rank had him at 10 for rush passing was 49. So, you know, definitely the upfront is their strength. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a lot of their, their leading tacklers back. Um, you know, so I, I think they're going to be pretty solid. Maybe some questions in the linebacking core. Um, you get Sir, Sir Vakia Dennis. He's yep. the middle linebacker, but not really sure who's going to be playing the other linebacker spots or somebody who hasn't taken a lot of snaps. Um, they had a yeah. transfer, Shane Simon from Notre Dame. He didn't really play last year. Um, so, I, you know, I think probably gets weaker as you move back and into the secondary. Yep. Um, you do lose starting corner but you get both safeties back um their grades weren't fantastic but you get these guys back um you get one of your starting corners back so you just you know a lot of continuity on the defense um and you know they already kind of proved that, that that's the, the strength of the team so um i i think that's the thing going forward in the acc if your offense is adequate and your defense is awesome you're gonna win a lot of games most likely yeah. 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 My perception of them kind of looking at the full, uh, full statistical profile is that you could move the ball on them a little bit, but you know, you get, you'd get into the, to their 43 yard line and then you, Oh, two yard tackle for loss. Okay. Now it's second and 12. Okay. Another, another tackle at the line of scrimmage, third and 12 sack. And, and then you're, and then you're punting from your own 48 or something like that. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, you can move the ball, but they just they would make they create these havoc plays they create these negative plays that just kill drives. And, and what um, was the worst thing with the West Virginia offense last yeah. year was yeah. negative plays. Yep. I mean, I don't think we're going to be as um, sort of handcuffed in the offense as we were last year, right. but Pitt was twelfth last year in negative plays, yep. um, and that's that that's their bread and butter. So you got to stay on schedule against this team, and they're going to disrupt tons of teams this year just just with the the front. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. You talk about the linebackers. Um, saw Servakia Dennis. Dennis was was top twenty nationally in stop rate. So very good, very good player against the run. Thirteen point three percent stop rate, and so that's just making a tackle that uh, result or the results in an unsuccessful play. Um, 
So he's good. Um, but yeah, nobody, none of the other linebackers, uh, you know, I had Buddy Mack and Solomon DeShields written down. Neither of them played a lot last year. Um, the corner, they lost the corner, but both of the guys who were, who were uh, the, the two starters this year, Marquise Williams, MJ Devonshire, I think, um, I mean, th- those guys both played, you know, 300 plus snaps last year. So um, I think you, you get the one starter back and then you get another guy who, who was probably the, the rotation guy at either spot. You know what I mean? Um, so should be good there, but yeah, I, you know, we're, it's just, we're going to find out right away. Right. If, if uh, five offensive linemen, JT Daniels and Graham Harrell is enough to, to, to make this offense something, because I'll tell you what, if we, if we look um, like we did offensively for large portions of last year on September 1st, it could be a, a pretty miserable evening in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, and I mean, what a great test of our offensive line returning everybody versus a defensive line returning everybody. Um, you know, it, it's going. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome battle to see um, come September first. Um, and and yeah, like I said, I think the the continuity is the big thing. You're getting so much guys, so many guys back, getting the same defensive coordinator yep. as last year um, and Randy Bates. So I I think Pitt has the ingredients to win a lot of games against average or worse teams mm-hmm. guess what they play in the acc the if you look at it right now the highest ranked team they're going to play all year in preseason beta rank is number 19 miami so Jeez. Yeah. if you're really good in one side of the bowl you can beat any team outside of the top 20 you know when you start getting the top 10 top five you have to be a well-rounded team but this team could just sit on a lot of a lot of other teams score 28 points and, and can probably win a lot of games this year so I think that's kind of my narrative on Pitt is that, you know, with the schedule, seven and a half wins. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. You, you almost... I, <laughs> I don't know if they're winning 11 again, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to win more than seven and a half. You know, I think I think I think this is an eight or nine win team uh, without too much trouble unless, you know, injuries, injuries happen and stuff happens. But all well, things and, equal and listen to the. The out of conference, you have West Virginia, so that's a for sure loss for them. But right. then you have Tennessee. Tennessee, that might be a toss up. You have Western Michigan again. I'm gonna say that should be a win, even though last year they they threw it up. And then you have Rhode Island. So through the first four games, you almost guaranteed to Tennessee and West Virginia are both toss ups. So let's say you have three wins already. Yep. Looking into ACC play, you're not really playing any great teams like. No. As of right now, what we think of these teams, nobody's great. You're playing some okay, some good teams. Do they play Clemson? Um, I let me double check. I don't think so, though. Okay, yeah, the, of course. So they don't get the Clemson rebound year because Clemson ain't going to be down two years in a row. Um, you got Georgia Tech, VT, Ed. Louisville, Ed. North Carolina, Syracuse, Virginia, Duke, Miami. The last game of their season is so they literally right now. they play like maybe three good teams this year good not great i mean yeah, that's if, if we're if we're good they play three if we're not good then they play two good teams and eight average teams and <laughs> three and bad teams. rhode island and and, yeah teams. so yeah. i you know i i don't want to say it but how, how are you not up on the, at least the schedule the seven and a half like yeah they're not winning 11 i don't think but like eight i <laughs> the defense is only going to be better than last year offense will regress maybe a little bit um I think there, there's there's some upside there. So I think we can say 
over. So I saw I had over at minus 170. So over seven and a half seems probably like a pretty good bet to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus 300 to win the coastal seems safe. I don't see any. I mean, is Miami's in the coastal, I guess. So that would They're be the, good. Yeah, Miami. I mean, you have Crystal Ball down at Miami now. Um, yeah. So that I, might be the trouble. That'd be the trouble. Plus 300. I don't know. I might. Do you have Miami's number by chance? You maybe go, uh, maybe do, go two in on two in on those teams, and you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's actually, yeah, that's a good shout. Um, plus fourteen to win the ACC again. I don't, I don't, I can't see Clemson being down two years in a row. Um, and especially, yeah. especially if, uh, I mean, if you want to say that being good on one side, of, Clemson's defense is going to be outrageous. I don't know who they're going to have playing quarterback because deep diving into Clemson was not my responsibility for this podcast, but uh, just based on their recruiting alone, I know that their defense is going to be amazing. Um, so yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, so over, over seven and a half feels good. Even with the, even with the season opening loss to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, if you're, if you're looking to get some action in the ACC coastal, yeah, double up on them and in, in Miami at whatever. And I'd say you're probably barring, uh, yet NC State is the team we aren't thinking about. Also, that's uh, people yeah. are high on NC State this okay. year. Um, so you got two good teams coming out of the other side. So I don't know if you want that number, but maybe to win the division, yeah. I'd say maybe pound them in Miami, and you feel good about it. Yep, 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 yep. Cool. So All right. you ready to it, talk about uh, Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University? Yeah, I guess. We, I mean, we might. We're here, right? So the Hokies, the Chokies. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. All right. So, 2021 summary of Virginia Tech. Lost to West Virginia in a game that was way closer than it had any business being. Um, no, nah, that's not their season summary, but it was a cool thing that happened. Uh, finished six and seven. Um, I saw they were two and three in one score games, which I don't know, you know, whatever. But they had a lot of close games last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the bowl game against Maryland, pinstripe bowl, so this is after Fuente's been fired, was not close. Lost to Maryland 54-10, to 10, just an absolute uh, ass-kicking. Um, fired Justin Fuente after six years, hired Penn State defensive coordinator Brent, Pry- Brent Pry, and have dealt with all of the offseason uh, shenanigans that you would expect uh, considering that scenario. Um, lots, of, lots of guys transferring out. Some, some people from a, from a recruiting class have – decommitted and have gone looking elsewhere. Um, but you know, we're, we're playing them. So we're going to talk about them. They're, they're, they're like Pitt, uh, plus 30,000 to win the national championship, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, again, to, uh, to repeat myself, we are plus 2,500, not a big deal. Um, <laughs> tech plus 5,000 to win the ACC plus 800 to win the coastal. Uh, plus 3,000 to win 10-plus games in the regular season with an over-under of 6.5. Joel, your thoughts on Virginia Tech with those numbers? Virginia Tech. So, you know, Brent Pry coming in at, uh, at head coach, defensive-minded guy, um, spent some time at Penn State, and they were pretty great under him. Three yeah. of the four years, um, they were a top 13 defense. So yeah. Um, he did his job. He was actually, I, I actually really like this. He was a GA under Frank Beamer and Bud Foster yep. at BT, yep. which is awesome. It's cool. What Virginia Tech needs right now is kind of to get back to any identity, really, but um, the identity that they kind of had in the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, so I like the hire. 
Um, you get the offensive coordinator is Tyler Bowen moving up from tight ends coach. Um, and then defensive coordinator is Chris Marv. Um, he was a defensive run game coordinator at FSU. Um, they were all right against the run while he was there. So a whole new staff, um, you know, is this year zero for them or year one? Because, I, I, you know, with all the transfer and stuff now, it's like you really almost do have a year zero when you have complete staff turnover because everybody leaves. Um, you said the number for Virginia Tech was six and a half. Yeah, plus plus 135 over, minus 160 under. So Vegas, so, that they're not going to hit that. So they're playing in ACC as well. Um, you get Old Dominion, Wofford, uh, West Virginia and Liberty out of conference. Liberty is, you know, frisky old dominion, probably on the rise. Walford, that's a win. West Virginia. I mean, I think they're going to be probably dogs at home versus us. So I don't like the six and a half, uh, but at ACC, like somebody has to win the game. So, <laughs> so wait, they're out of conference is old dominion, Liberty and Wofford. That's 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 who Virginia Tech's playing aside from us. Yeah, and I Jesus is old. I think Old Dominion is FBS now, right? Like they're are they? I I feel like they might have just moved up to FBS. But I'll check for you. Um, yeah, not yeah. a super strong out of yeah, conference. Um, Liberty has given them problems in the past, and Liberty's you know respectable. So Sans Malik, Sans Malik Willis now though. Yeah, true, true. So. I don't know. Six and a half. You have in conference uh, Boston College, UNC, Pitt, Miami, NC State, Georgia Tech, Duke, Virginia. Um, I wouldn't feel confident going over six and a half there. Uh, no, no, six and a half. I mean, even if they so you know give them the loss to us because uh, I, I don't you know without being disrespectful, I don't I don't think that they're uh, going to beat us. Um, so, you know, give them the, give them the three and yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know if there's four more wins on the schedule. Uh, even the three is not, I mean, I think Liberty is not a, not a given for sure. Um, but yeah, it's somebody has to win the games in the ACC. I'm not sold on Virginia tech this year. Um, so I guess just getting into a little bit about the offense, you know, Burmeister's gone. I liked Burmeister. He was really um he gave him an identity like you said they knew what they were with him which is exactly something yeah you had you had like a a dual threat guy um he transferred out he's at san diego state now um coach pry is going to wait until the fall to announce the starting quarterback i suspect it's going to be grant wells from marshall uh and originally from charleston west virginia um grant wells was pretty good at marshall uh and then the other guy i think in contention is jason brown from south carolina yeah transfer. Uh, wasn't great in his appearances last year, but you know he's a P five guy versus a G five guy, so you, you don't know. But we're not going to know what that is um, until the yeah. fall. Um, running backs, you lose Raheem Blackshear to the right. NFL. He was a lot of their attempts, um, and then you have Malachi Thomas coming back. He averaged about five a carry, so um, yeah, he had pretty a good year there. Yeah, he had a good year. Um, 72 PFF grade, 2.4 yards after contact, 13 explosive plays on just 93 attempts. So, yeah. No, I mean, like you said, I mean, Blackshear was the workhorse. Uh, Malachi Thomas, you know, seems like – 
I mean, it's all projection, right? But if he if he produces at the same at the same levels he did last year with higher volume, then he's a he's a good player for them. Um, I think Jalen Holston and Chance Black are, are going to be uh, the rotation for them. Black was a retro freshman who didn't play last year. Holston, not really spectacular. I think saw 52 carries, 199 yards. So that's just 3.8 per carry. Only one touchdown. Um, only 2.3 yards after contact. So, you know, not not a lot there behind Malachi Thomas, even if he does end up being good. Um, not sure who their playmakers that wide are going to be. <laughs> no, it's it's yeah, they the most targeted guy returning is 37 targets, and yeah. then the next is 14. Yeah, so you got nothing coming back yep. in the receiving game. Yeah, I had I had Dwayne Lofton, Caleb Smith written down. Um, they both played last year, but neither was very good. I think Lofton had seven catches, 98 yards. Smith had uh, 20 for 260 and two touchdowns. Um, five combined drops on 50 targets combined. So um, issues catching the ball. I saw they got a transfer from Temper- Temple, uh, Jaden Blue, who right now, if you look at our lads, uh, which is what we've been using, you know, whatever uh, uh, level of error we can expect with with their depth charts. But right now they have him starting uh, as a wide receiver. So um, he was good in 2019. I went back and looked at his uh, his PFF stuff. So he was good at Temple in 2019. Seems like he's been um, a little bit hurt the last two years, uh, regardless of the reason he's been trending down for the last two years. So that's probably why he why he ended up leaving. Um, tight ends are both back. Neither was neither was good last year. Nick Gallo and uh, I don't have the first name, but but Delulis. Um, so they're both back. Seems like the offensive line might be the strength of the offense. Yeah, you get you get four of the seven guys in rotation back, but they, they were really solid. Um, so, you know, you're at least going to have to fill one starter in and then some kind of rotating guys in and out. But, I mean, that's what I feel the best about the offense. Um, right. Just, you know, really just in kind of in general looking at Virginia Tech, they're just so, um, I mean, for a Power 5 team, they're, they're very below average last year. But it wasn't like one area was really good. Um, I have them in the both in the 70s for – uh, offense and defense last year so you know they're like 65 power five teams so not very good um yeah. not returning a lot of people on offense so can you even expect it to be much better uh like i say kind of just this identity thing of of what can you expect from virginia tech offense um i'm just i'm just really not sure the offensive line seems like the best bet is their strength yep yep agree i think you know they're it, it, it's, it's at least a good – or well, on paper. On paper, it's a good foundation to build on. But, you know, you talk about identity. Um, I read some of the quotes from, from Tyler Bowen this spring, and he's doing the uh, – you know, we want to fit the, the, the scheme to the personnel instead of the personnel to the scheme. So not, not super encouraging in terms of I'm going to come in and put my stamp on this offense. It, seems, it sounds like he doesn't even know really what he's working with, uh, mm-hmm. or at least he didn't at the point. Uh, that he was making those quotes, which, you know, I think was, was after spring ball. So yeah, not really, not really sure um, what to expect from them offensively uh, in terms of how they're going to look, how they're going to try and attack teams. Uh, but just in terms of, of the talent on offense, uh, not, not a whole lot there um, at this point in time, you know, maybe somebody breaks out, maybe they have some, some freshmen or somebody who breaks out, but in terms of the guys who, who are coming back, who played last year, um, yeah, pretty pretty uh, underwhelming, I would say. Yeah, and and defensively, um, you know, like I said, this used to be kind of the identity of the the program, Beamer Ball, 
you know, his defense and special teams. Um, pretty pedestrian last year on D. Yep. Gave up tons of explosive plays. Um, that was really what was the the glaring error on the defense. Um, but yeah, just kind of bad across. Like not not really any kind of area there they shined. Um, the good news is for all the people they don't return on defense, they do return a lot or on offense, they do return a lot on defense. Um, and you know, when you first need to start looking at the line, uh, Amari Barno is gone. He was their top pressures guy, but you get pretty much everyone back. There wasn't really one guy. So you, you, you really want one or two guys to step up. Um, you had a lot of production across, but, uh, no one had more than four sacks. So, you know, it's really kind of spread across. You really want to see somebody step up this year for Virginia Tech on the D-line. Um, so, I, yeah, the, in offense, they were in the, I have it right here. They were 110th in returning production, but 24th on defense. You, you do have to feel at least oh, okay. good like they're getting guys back on D. Yeah, the linebackers, the linebackers in particular, um, Holyfield and Tisdale uh, were both there last year. They're both back this year. Um, and in turn, you, you, you talk about returning production. Those guys had Holyfield had 92 tackles, nine tackles for a loss, 47 stops, 16 pressures, four snaps or four sacks, um, 21 missed, missed tackles, which I felt like was kind of a high number for a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, Tisdale, 84 tackles, seven and a half for a loss, um, 11 pressures, three sacks. So, so a ton of production, uh, from the linebackers, they didn't actually grade out all that well. Uh, on PFF, both of them were in kind of the mid to high fifties, which is, you know, if you have somebody hey. better, you'd be looking for somebody better. Uh, but in turn, you know, they're the guys making the tackles. Um, and it seems like they're, uh, so, um, Pry runs kind of, it seems like it's going to be kind of a four, two, five, like similar to, to what we do, where you're going to have a, uh, that fifth guy is either going to be a slot corner or he's going to be kind of like a bandit, right? Like a linebacker, mm-hmm. um, like a linebacker hybrid. Um, and it seems like they're kind of in the same spot as we are there where they have, you know, like six guys that they're like, Hey, uh, try this out, see if it sticks. Um, so, you know, if, if they have the same issues that we've had with our bandit over the last couple of years, that's not going to be encouraging in terms of rounding out the linebacking core, but you do have a nice, uh, a nice anchor in the middle with Holyfield and Tisdale. Um, I did see, so um, secondary should be okay, right? I mean, yeah. uh, they, Shamari Connor is going to be the headliner there. I think he's um, he's either first or second team all ACC in the preseason. So he's probably, you know, the highest profile dude coming back on the defense. And I think they had, well, I don't know if they all started, but they have four dudes who who played a bunch of snaps coming back in the secondary. So, yeah, I... I like the secondary here. Um, I think of the three levels, I, I probably like the secondary the most in the defense. Um, yep. Yeah, I like Jamari Connor, um, Nazir Peoples. You get Dorian Strong, Armani Chapman. Also Chapman's significant good, yeah. snaps last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm kind of liking the secondary the most from this defensive core. Yeah. The big note that I had with them is that they missed 146 tackles as a team last year, which wow. is 11.2 a game. Um, so, you know, you want to talk about a team that gave up a ton of explosive plays. Maybe that's yeah. where, that's where you'd look to improve to prevent some of that, where, you know, you have a guy stopped and, and you let him get out. Um, yeah, and you, I, I think the main thing they're, they're going to want to see on both sides of the ball, but particularly defense, is you want to see some guys kind of emerge. Because yeah. when you look at the stats and, and really the snaps, the grades – Everything from last year, it f- feels like it was just spread across like 10 people in each position group. So 
you know, no. they have production coming back. They have a lot of it coming back. Um, no game breakers. No game breakers. Exactly. You need you need a few guys to really take that that next step and um, kind of get that get that Virginia Tech vibe back on the defensive side. Yeah. So so if Tech, you know, we said six and a half. Like any scenario where you see them uh, beating that number, I know we kind of we kind of talk through it, but like you know, say Grant Wells comes out or, you know, a playmaker does emerge. Is, is there anything you kind of had your eye on there um, in terms of like they could could do this, win seven, eight games? You know, I think their blueprint might be similar to Pitt where the offense isn't probably going to win it, but the defense could put the, you know, could give them a chance. Um, I, like I said, I really like the the defensive hire at head coach. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the defense should improve. The quarterback thing, you know, I, I think Grant Wells was pretty good at Marshall, but um, you know, taking the step up to power five, at least you're going to the ACC. If you're going to the power five, um, <laughs> the but easiest step you could make, right? <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the blueprint might be, you know, the defense needs to, needs to step up. I would think that's the most likely route to success is, um, winning the games on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Clean those tackles up, shut some people down, um, and kind of, kind of, you know, make that something to hang your hat on going forward, you know, with, with Brent Pry at the helm. Um, all right. So that's tech. Let's, let's do uh, a quick, I know we didn't, we didn't go as much into Towson. Uh, we'll do a, we'll do a quick, uh, a shallow dive, a cannonball or a belly flop, if you will. It's a surface Towson. dive on, yeah. on Towson. Yeah. So Towson, uh, four and seven last year, not good. 10th in the uh, colonial, not good. Um, they were below average on defense. Um, even worse on offense. Um, Still have the same head coach, Rob, Rob Ambrose. Uh, from what I gather, he's a Towson lifer. He played there. He's been an assistant there. And now he's in his 13th season there as uh, the head coach. He's had six winning seasons, um, 66 and 64 overall. Um, but again, you know, down bad, down bad last year. Um, I was looking. I saw they're going to have a new – so new starter at quarterback for sure. Um, looking like it's Tyler Johnston, who's a UAB transfer. Um but I, I, I gather from their message boards that they like a redshirt freshman named Scott Smith um, and are, you know, kind of like a, they don't want to get caught in that quarterback transfer uh, tailspin where, you know, you never develop a young guy. And so you never have any sort of continuity on offense. But Johnson was good at UAB. He was 15 to six as a starter. Um, seems like he was an upgrade if he can stay healthy, but he's been hurt the last two years. Um, but again, good player when he was healthy. Um Saw so they're, they're gap heavy in the running game. So, so contrast to the other two teams we talked about that have been zone heavy. Um, we'll have a new starter at running back, but the guy was good last year. Devin Matthews um, was, was decent last year. Anyways, I should say, I think their best player on offense seems like it's going to be uh, Darian street um, had 24 catches, 335 yards and two touchdowns last year. Um, but I, he, he's a name that I've seen. Um, you know, if you Google Darian street, there'll be some, 2023 NFL draft articles about him. Right. So he's at least getting, getting a little bit of look uh, from the NFL. Um, saw that they have uh, three new starters up front. So, so not a lot coming back on offense uh, going to be a completely new offense defense. I thought the interesting thing, they run a three, four. Um, so, you know, you don't see too many teams anymore who, who run just like a true three, four with a, with an odd front up front. Um I guess their two best players, you'd say, were would be their defensive linemen, um, but 
a ton of turnover. I think I had it down that their top five dudes in terms of snap counts from 2021 are going to be, are, are gone and are going to need to be replaced. And, and four of them were actually good players for them. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I think the defensive line should be the strength over there, but uh, all in all, not a good team. Uh, should be, should be one. I think where, you know, it's family day, like have yourself a little family day. What do you yeah. Think? Yeah, it comes at a soft spot on the schedule here. You have Pitt, Canton, and Kansas, and then Towson is the Saturday before the Thursday Virginia Tech game. Um, You know, I was going to look into Towson, and I saw they finished 10th of 12 in the Colonial, and that's as much as I probably needed to know because, you know, there are good FCS teams. There are teams that can punch up. Um, You think of the Dakota teams. You know, James Madison's usually pretty good. You know, there's there's some teams that, you know, are competing for national championships. For this sure. is not one of those teams. Yep. Um, so last year, the only uh, FBS team they played was San Diego State. Um, it wasn't really much of a game. Also, James Madison, maybe some listeners are familiar with. Um, James Madison won 56 to 10. So I'm not expecting much from Towson. Um, I do have two notable alumni from Towson, though. Amy Schumer, the comedian, and... Uh, the Dirty Jobs guy, Mike Rowe, both oh. Towson alum. So there, there's your deep dive That's information deep dive right there. Yeah, you won't hear it anywhere else <laughs> on North Baltimore Towson University. <laughs> All right, so Towson, we're I think we're chalking that one up as a if the starters are playing past halftime, we probably are in for a long season kind of game. Yeah, um, if, if if we need to worry about Towson, I don't know if I want to continue talking about West Virginia. We'll just so. discontinue the pod. Right now. <laughs> the pod is canceled <laughs> if we lose this. It was it was a lot of fun. We did too, and uh, and now we're yeah. done. So, <laughs> all right, cool. So, I'll uh, I'll yeah. get to. So I put on our Twitter just that um, we were doing a little deep dive on Pitt and VT. Just wanted to hear if anyone had any questions we should address. So um, we got. Ob eleven twenty three fifty eight, I believe that's like Ob one, is their name. But um, they were curious to know more about pass rushers and offensive tackles. Um, I think we we covered that pretty well. I mean, I think Pitt Pitt's money is going to be on both sides of the line. Um, so I think we talked about that for Virginia Tech. The the pass rushers were kind of the stats were spread across. There was not one guy, and uh, pretty good continuity coming back on the offensive line. Okay, and our other question here was, the na- name is at Derwake1. Um, this is by clicking on their profile, their bio reads, investing Bitcoin and Texas Tech. So maybe this is just messing with us here. But their question is, what was the worst West Virginia loss to each team? So Pitt, that's uh, a given and we aren't going to talk about it. So Virginia Tech, the worst loss to Virginia Tech Personally, so, you know, unfortunately, we don't get to see them play all the time. And a lot of these games happened before I was born. Looking back through the record books, uh, there are two games that stand out to me. The first one is in 1989. Um, This is with Major Harris. We're coming off a fourth quarter collapse to tie Pitt. This is back when you could still tie a game. And the next week, West Virginia is ranked number nine and loses 10 to 12. Uh, versus Virginia Tech. Um, So that's a bummer with Major Harris on the team. And then the other one I have is 2004. Um, West Virginia is ranked number six. We're at Virginia Tech. 
on a Saturday and lose 13 to 19. Um, those are my two picks. You have anything to add on that, Jordan? Yeah, man. The one, uh, so the one that stands out for me is, uh, the, the Michael Vick game in, in 1999, um, when tech was really, really good and, and we were not very good and it, you know, uh, so any listeners out there, so I was at the game, um, and we went up 20 to, uh, 20 to 19 late in the fourth quarter. Um, and I think Virginia tech was top five, maybe they were third nationally that year, um, when they came in, but anyways, it's, you know, it was one of those like special night games at Mountaineer field where it's like, holy shit, we're, we're going to upset them. We're going to beat Vic. And it was awesome. And there was about 25 seconds left and he was kind of scrambling down the sideline and looked like he was going to run out of bounds and whoever was chasing him from our team, I can't remember um, who it was, but, you know, kind of eased up because it didn't want to get a 15 yard flag because it was third down. We didn't want to give him a lifeline. And Vic like did some superhuman Michael Vic shit and turned it up the sideline and picked up like 25, 20, 25 yards, got the first down, put him into field goal range and and Shane Graham kicked a field goal as uh, time expired to to beat us and keep their undefeated season alive. So for for me that uh, that's the worst Virginia Tech loss for me, just because it was one of those. wasn't even that we were good, but it was that they were good and we were gonna mess their season up, and then we and then we choked at the end. Yeah, were you at that game at uh, FedEx Field in DC a couple years back? Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh- that was a f- that was a pretty fun game to lose. I mean, like yeah. stinks losing, but that was a very exciting back and forth. I have I have brothers on both sides. Um, <laughs> gone to both universities, so it's a, a house divided, and that was fun um, to get to go to that game. I was in standing room only, and uh, it was a little bummer walking out of that place. But yeah, man, game. that that game was a blast. Again, you, you, like you said, you hate to lose. For me, the worst part of that game was getting in and out of FedEx Field. That place is <laughs> that place is just a disaster. Yeah, I think we were, yeah. we were tailgating on the side of the road for like an hour before the game started because we couldn't get we couldn't even get into the parking lot. So we just pulled over and started drinking beers on the side of the road. Yeah, I remember the the porta potty situation in the uh, the parking lots was not ideal. There was some long lines with hours to go to the game. Fight! Um, I saw fights fights happen because of that. Because <laughs> you know it's forty five minutes to get in the porta potty. It's forty five minutes to get through the gate to get into. You know, like, I don't even think I got into the game. We left, we left a half hour before kickoff to walk into the game, and we got there like at the end of West Virginia's first drive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's just, but anyway, ended up being a fun game, except for the fact that we lost. But again, that, that 2018 uh, team was, was just a blast to watch. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was 2017, man. 27. That was Will Greer's first game. First year. Will Greer's sure. first year. But yeah. Cool. Yep. So I think that's that's all we got. Um, this quick plug to the we have a Twitter account for the pod. It's at West by Pod. There's underscores in between. Um, so if you have any questions or anything you want us to address on the pod, hit us up at West by Pod. Um, so we're gonna continue doing deep dives. Jordan, do you think it's best to do as the schedule goes, like kind of Kansas and then Texas and then as the schedule goes, or do you think we should go like bottom up from our tiers list? If there's a I think question. we just keep, I think we just keep moving through the schedule. Um, you know, we kind of started it that way. So start as you mean to go on, right? Cool. All right. So I think that gives us Kansas and Texas will be our next deep dive. Um, 
recording. I assume that'll be going on next week. So if you have any questions about Kansas or Texas you'd like us to address, about like any recent scores between like Kansas and Texas playing each other, we could surely update you on any history, um, anything like that. Just let us know on Twitter. And uh, like I said, on Twitter, I'm at WVStatsGuy. Uh, Jordan's at Game Day Shorts. So uh, any feedback or anything, let us know on there. Got anything else, Jordan? Nah, man. Episode two in the books. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. All right, yeah. Take care, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.